Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. many ways to interact with Free Birth Society. These include our incredible offering, The Complete Guide to Free Birth, which is the most comprehensive online course available on how to give birth in your power. We also have a beautiful free birth meditation program called the Sovereign Birth Meditation Series, designed to help you release your fears and actualize your dream birth. Our latest course is called Through the Veil, a profoundly personal, radical pregnancy companion program by Yolanda Norris Clark that offers the opportunity to travel with Yolanda as she moves through the last trimester of her most recent pregnancy and invites you into her birth room to witness the birth of her eighth child. And if you're looking for a deeper connection and the opportunity for sisterhood in community with radical, like-minded women, the Free Birth Society private membership is for you, and you can apply on our website to become a member. We also offer personalized one-on-one transformational coaching with a focus on learning the tools to move out of victim consciousness and towards self-responsibility. Skills that translate to freedom, not only in the context of birth and mothering, but in every area of life. And finally, we are offering all of you, our amazing listeners, the free gift of Yolanda's 20-minute Birth Affirmations audio recording, a gorgeous, soothing meditation that every pregnant mother should have. So just head on over to our website at freebirthsociety.com, sign up, and Yolanda's affirmations will be sent directly to your inbox. Hello, it's Yolanda here, and I'm so excited to tell you about my latest endeavor with Free Birth Society. It's called Through the Veil, and it's an invitation for you to join me on the most profoundly intimate experience of my life and yours, the journey of moving through the birth process into the underworld of birth to be reborn as a new mother into a new family once again. Through the Veil is a very raw, very real third trimester birth and postpartum week-by-week program that includes 17 videos in which I discuss exactly how I prepare for my free birth, including so many of the messy, emotional, logistical, and relational issues that aren't often talked about in the conventional prenatal context. Through the Veil also includes the hour-plus-long documentary of my eighth baby's birth, an incredibly loving, incredibly vulnerable, gritty, agonizing, naked, and beautiful family birth that I'm so, so proud of. I really look forward to you journeying with me through the veil.
We are joined today by Kristen, who freebirthed her second child. Kristen has so much wisdom to give, and her story is simple and sweet. Having had great challenges with breastfeeding the first time around, Kristen shares how she took responsibility for creating a new story this time. Kristen has been on the show before, so you can go back and find her story and listen to her first birth. Enjoy. We are back with a, you're becoming, you're becoming like a, like a regular. (laughs) Oh, I know. So exciting. I guess it's your third time now, huh? Yeah. Or is it fourth? I talked on the like um, conscious conception episode Oh my gosh, you're right. (laughs) I forgot about that. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Okay. Well then you're definitely a regular. So Yeah, for anyone who's new to Kristen, you can go back and listen to uh, her episodes. In last season, we had... No, wait. Was it last... This is the third season. Yeah, so so in season two, I was um, on to talk about like emotional processing during pregnancy and how it was to have a wild pregnancy and Mm -hmm. sharing about... Yeah, that. And then in first season, you did a snippet on the conscious conception episode, but then you also mm-hmm. shared your free or your birth story um, that was at the very end, midwife attended by mm-hmm. a dear friend of yours, and um, and then shared some of your breastfeeding difficulties with your son. And so it's, yes. it's exciting to be back here to kind of pick up where we left off in last season, where you were experiencing a wild pregnancy and sharing your musings on what that was like for you and and heading into a free birth, which now on the other side, you have done it. You have gone through postpartum with your daughter and and we're here to kind of put all the pieces together. Yeah. So where do you want to start? Well, I think I'd like to start just like third trimester end of pregnancy, kind of how that transition into labor land was for me. And, um, yeah, I think that's like the best place to start because for me, it's, it's tricky to say like when my birthing time actually, you know, started. I mean, of course there's clear delineations that happen and, um, ways to kind of contextualize it for ourselves. But I do feel like this kind of this fading into a different reality is what the third trimester is all about. Mm -hmm. And I just find that process to be so fascinating and rich. I know. And you said that with your first, with your first son, when you were explaining that, and I love that so much. And it really stuck with me, this idea of fading into your labor. And I, I thought about that a lot in my fading into with my daughter. And then I was kind of expecting more of a fade in when my labor (laughs) began. And it was like, all of a sudden I was in labor, but I love that concept. And and it's such a beautiful way, like you said, to contextualize the end of your pregnancy. Um, You know, like Yolanda always says that birth is this continuum and that birth, the labor process really begins um, at conception. And I think, you know, yeah, a continuation of that same conversation. Yeah. So I guess I could start, like I ended up, um, I had one midwife visit with my previous midwife. So I drove, I live in San Diego now and I drove up to Orange County where I used to live. And I had a visit with her in my 36th week of pregnancy. 
And um, that was just for me personally, because I wanted to have like an easy time getting the birth certificate. So I needed proof of pregnancy and she agreed to do it. And she knew I was having a free birth and I knew um, that I would have an easy time like having a visit with her. So I did that and I got to see also the student midwife that attended my birth and it was just really sweet and simple. And, um, yeah, so that was kind of like, okay, this fresh crossing this threshold into like my birth is coming, like the birthing time is really, um, approaching. And it was, I think right before that I got kind of sick. I had like a pretty bad cough and like fever and, um, I remember kind of just feeling like this anticipation, like, oh gosh, I just really don't want the birth to happen when I'm feeling this ill and like not sleeping well and all of that. And so I got past that and was starting to feel better, but I was still coughing and I was like 37 weeks pregnant. And I um, remember one night, it was like a Friday night, I believe. And I lost some of my mucus plug. And I think it was just from all the coughing. Totally. And I was like, started getting this anxious feeling of like, I'm not ready. Like I'm, you know, even though 37 weeks, like I was totally comfortable having the baby at home at that point, but I just had felt like I would go to 40 weeks. Yeah. Like that's when I delivered my first. And so it was interesting to like feel into that. Um, it was really maybe one of the first times I'd felt like some anxiety around the birthing process or like just the time passing and that approaching feeling. And so I was with that for a little bit. And in those last few weeks, there's just like so many changes and so many sensations and tightenings. And is this something happening? Is it not? And it's pretty easy for me to just let that be and keep going, keep kind of just being in my life until, until it's clear that like my birthing time is, is now. And then I can't really continue on with things as I normally would. So yeah, that continued for a couple weeks really. Um, where sometimes at night I would just like pace around my house, like with this feeling of, you know, you're kind of just tapping into a different realm and you're also, or I was also experiencing it's like you're crossing that threshold and you're getting closer to the bigness that is birth. And as a second time mom, like I could really sense like, wow, this is like, you just, I knew what was going to come. Like I knew what was coming and it's just so big and it's so expansive. And it's, it's that line of like, it's exhilaration. It's like, um, on one side is ecstasy and joy. And on the other side is like sheer terror or fear. And you're like riding this line of just like aliveness that's the middle path. And so that's what I really felt in those last weeks. And then I would say like in the 39, 40 weeks, somewhere around there, um, things just kind of started to settle. And I just felt some just more calmness and. Um, just like a acceptance of like that the time is coming. I don't know what day it's going to be or like any of that, but yeah, it's, I'm ready. That, that just that feeling of like readiness. And in my last week of pregnancy, it was just really sweet. I spent a lot of time with my son and we were outside a lot. It was really like noticeably 
change, the season was changing. So it was like this, cause my daughter was born, I think a day after the spring equinox. So it was like a full moon that week. Hmm. And there was a huge migration of monarch butterflies, hmm. like through where I live. So I was outside a lot and just, yeah, enjoying the, the change of seasons and like that mark of new life that, you know, was soon going to be like in my arms. Um, yeah. So that was, that kind of marked the end of my pregnancy. I remember that. And I remember the Jasmine plant that I have like right outside my front door was blooming and there were just so many like signs of spring and this new energy coming in. That's so sweet. Yeah. And yeah, the last, I think the night before my daughter was born, it was just like a normal evening. I don't really remember anything particular about it. Um, I had spent some time with a friend of mine the day before and then that Thursday night I went to bed and just like a normal evening from what I recall. And I started having some sensations in the middle of the night, but that wasn't uncommon for me. Right. You're uh, even pacing. Yeah. yeah. And I really- wasn't pacing, pacing like in the middle of the night, but it would just be like in the evenings, I would just get kind of amped up about something. And then I would just be like a caged animal in a way. Totally. Um, it really makes me think yeah. about how many women, well, the vast majority of women who are, you know, birthing in the system, if they carry past 40 weeks, that their final weeks of pregnancy are marked by uh, non-stress tests and visits to the doctor or the midwife and castor oil or membrane sweeps and just uh, near nearly constant assessment and diagnostic and um, you know, it's so, you don't even get time to notice that the jasmine's blooming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You don't, you don't get true. that slow down, you know, seasonal primal pause that happens before you give birth, particularly if you're carrying, you know, to the later weeks where you, like mm-hmm. you said, you kind of do get to settle in and, you know, like if you really had gone into labor at 37, most people do not feel settled and in ready yeah. at 37 yeah. and it might happen anyway. And that would be okay too. But um, yeah, that, that settling that you spoke to of what happens you know, after 40 weeks is so robbed for yeah. some women. And it's just so, you know, it's just so nice to kind of remember that what you just described was so simple and so integrated into your normal life and so beautiful. And that that is what her birth is marked by that the butterflies were coming through your town, you know, it's just, yeah. I mean, that's simple and sweet. Those are the things I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not about like what someone was telling me I needed to do or driving my car anywhere or anything like that at all. So, okay, yeah. so it's nighttime. You're starting to feel some things. Yeah, I'm feeling some sensations, but I'm mostly sleeping through. So, like, I have, and this happened with my son's birth too. Like, I have just this really odd ability to like will myself back to sleep and be <laughs> like, no, this isn't this isn't happening. I'm just gonna go back to sleep. And like, uh, yeah, so that happened again. And I just would wake up occasionally, but you know, I'm not talking about like anything that even got me out of bed, like Mm -hmm. just kind of a restless night of 
con- fairly consistent um, sensations. And so then it was like 7.30 in the morning. Um, I got up finally and I was just like wide awake. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get up and see like if this is going to die down like it has before or, you know, what's going to happen. I don't know. So I got up and like, I was just, both my husband and my son were still asleep and I was just kind of walking around and like doing my morning stuff and it didn't stop. And it was like, definitely, um, you know, it was clear that like, it wasn't going away and like, it was fairly consistent. I wasn't like timing or anything, but so then finally, like around eight or so, I would say I woke up my husband and was like, um, think it could be now. Why don't you get up and like make me something to eat? I think is what I asked for at that point. Hot so, water and towels. Yeah. <laughs> so he went downstairs and made me something to eat. My son got up and I was just kind of in the bedroom and, um, during that time. And I think it was like by eight thirty AM I had, you know, text a few close friends and, um, let them know that it was probably my birthing time. And I took like one last belly shot. Um, and then after that, I was like, definitely the intensity picked up and it was, you know, at a point where I wasn't really on my phone anymore or anything like that. So I was still in the bedroom at that time. And I just remember, I think that's really when it was like, okay, baby's definitely coming today. Um, or that's how I, that's what I felt in that moment. And I just remember being like, so overwhelmed with just so much gratitude that I was like entering this process again. And, Mm. um, yeah, just feeling like birth is such a revelation of um, just who I really am as a person. And I could just for those moments feel like so alive and connected and um, give myself over to the process that was happening. Totally. I mean, it's, it's the most divine feeling I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the early part where before it gets fucking crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So true. true. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, at that time, like, I think I, my husband was just kind of quietly working in the background, like getting the birthing, uh, tub set up and just certain things that I wanted to have in place that he knew to do he kind of had a little checklist of things to go through. And so he was working quietly on those things. And I was just in my bedroom, kind of in the, in the darkest area. I mean, it was daytime, right. And it was like a very sunny day out. So I had the, like, we have blackout curtains. So I had those pulled shut, but yeah. um, Yeah. So I was just kind of like on hands and knees or walking around a little bit um, during that time. And, yeah. I mean, it was just clear to me, like these are strong and effective, like things are happening, things are changing. Um, and my daughter was active and I had no like 
concerns about her, like how things were going or whatever. Um, and yeah, that just went on for a couple of hours and, you know, it's just slow and steady, like picking up and picking up an intensity. Well, we had a doula who was on call for us essentially. And she was another, she was someone I met through free birth society when, when it was a Facebook group and she had had a free birth the previous year. I think my ideal, I th- and, and like a lot of women's ideals is like probably similar to mine is to have a friend on call or someone close family, someone who's comfortable with free birth to come if needed for whatever the reason may be. But for me, it was really important to have someone uh, available to help with my son because he was going to be there the whole time. And so I thought if it's really long, if, you know, whatever might happen, we, it's possible that having another adult there would be useful. So that was kind of our plan. And I definitely wanted, I personally wanted someone there afterwards to help clean up and like help just with, yeah, just with like getting all the towels into the washer. And like, I didn't want to have, have my husband doing that kind of stuff when we just had our baby. So yeah. So it was from about eight 30 to nine 30 or 10 probably. And you know, I'm, I'm like marking these times and stuff. And I know this because I looked back on the video footage more than anything <laughs> else. Like I don't, you know, it's like, I couldn't have necessarily placed these unless I had the context of having video footage and being like, okay, this is kind of how, when you start to put the pieces together, it looks like this. Um, but yeah, around 1030, I needed a change. Like I, it was, I was still keeping the pace with everything. It didn't feel like, um, too much, but at the same time, I was just like, I needed to shift something. And so I got, that's when I got in the tub. I asked my husband to fill up the tub and I got in and yeah, that was just like such a welcome relief. And that was something I didn't have the experience of during my first birth because I didn't get in the tub until I was already pushing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I like, yeah, from that, it was just like such relief and relaxation. And I just remember the feeling of like the warm water and I just kind of sank in there and I was just like, yes, yes, this is exactly what I needed. I just, the feeling I had like throughout that time was like, one of integration and like, um, I guess the, the tone was just that I was keeping the rhythm and like, although things were happening, happening quickly, I, I was, it was like, I was, um, processing everything as it was happening. And I could kind of have this witness view over the birth, even though I was deep in the experience as well. So it's like this really, I mean, it's really trippy to explain it in that way, but that's how it was. It sounds like you're describing deep presence. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like being able to keep up with everything that's happening, having this witness element, like that, that's pretty much like the definition of complete presence, right? Yeah. yeah, so I was just really in it and um like I said I got into the tub around 10:30 and um 
that's around the time where I also told my husband Thomas to let Brittany Ardula know to come. And so she headed, but she was like an hour or so away, I want to say. So yeah, I was just in the tub. I had my birth playlist on. My son was kind of like coming in and out of the room because he was there for the whole thing. Um, and he was just so, so sweet. I was, that was one of my concerns actually was like, uh-huh. how's he going to be at the birth? Like, what if he needs something? And I didn't really need a lot from my husband at that time. So my husband was kind of like, you know, making sure he was okay and then would bring me water or whatever I needed, which was pretty minimal. And yeah, I was just like super peaceful and um, there wasn't a lot going on. And uh, yeah, my son would come in and out occasionally and like tell me that he saw a helicopter outside or like whatever it was that he was doing. And, you know, I got more and more vocal as the time went on. And um, he came in at one point and I was like in the middle of a sensation and I was um, vocalizing. And then afterwards, he's like, Mama, I'm here. I'm here. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so, so sweet. <laughs> so and sweet. <laughs> it was just so nice to have him there for, um, yeah, just to know that he was part of the experience and that he was, you know, having his own experience that a two-year-old can have, right? Uh-huh. Like he was having his own experience of birth of, that besides his own birth, like that's his first imprint of totally what a birth is like. Well, and it sounds like he was really not annoying. No, not at all. Like, I mean, that's always the crapshoot with toddlers, you know, being there, but it sounds like he was. Yeah. I mean, he's just a super, um, sensitive, like sweet boy. Yeah. He's also very determined and willful and all of those toddler things. But in that moment, I think he could sense like the shift in, Mm -hmm. in energy and the shift in like my, um, what I was doing and, yeah, I mean, it was just like, I thought maybe he would ask to get in the pool or whatever, but he uh-huh. never did. Like he never, <laughs> he would only get close enough, you know, like he would get close and then he would go do his own thing for a while. And he always knew that we were right there if he needed something. So yeah, that was just like a really sweet part of the experiences having him there. Um, and I'm really glad that I did. Uh-huh. So yeah, I was working pretty hard at that point. And yeah, there was this element of allowing all parts of myself to be present. So like I had this kind of internal dialogue going on of like positive like affirmations and like just, you know, telling myself, okay, you're doing it. Like you, you've got this. And that was kind of going on internally a lot of the time. And then there would be these kind of moments of um, doubt or like, you know, this is, I would just say out loud, like, this is really fucking intense or whatever it was. Um, And yeah, there was just this interesting dynamic of like, I could be totally doubting myself and totally like knowing that I'm doing it at the same time. So these different aspects of yourself that like come into congruence that you can Mm -hmm. see and like you kind of get to choose like who you're listening to more who Mm -hmm. has more of the airtime 
but you're also not like pushing down another part of the story or another voice that's um, in the narrative, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it is just like the passage that you're walking through, whether you um, like, whether you're doubtful or fearful or like whatever voice is going to take the lead, you know, whichever part of your personality is going to come through. But what I loved about like, that experience was like, I didn't feel like I had to necessarily, um, censor or hide or like come off as more confident than I actually was or anything. It was just like, this is my experience. This is what's happening right now and take it or leave it. Like, because it was really only my husband there watching at this Mm -hmm. point and like giving me any kind of feedback. And he was just affirming what I was saying. And, um, you know, if I said, you know, this is really intense or I, this is really hard. Yeah, this is really hard. Like, it's really right. simple, right? It's like, it's like the essence of a safe team though. You know, I mean, at this point, yeah. it's just, it's just Thomas, but that's what women, that's all women need <laughs> yeah. to go there, that you were able to go there and, and feel the doubt or the insecurity or the moments or the expression or whatever it was that's coming up and that no one's trying to hero you or fix it or uh, quiet it. You know, it's just, holding. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, all happening and kind of also in my mind and thinking like, how much longer is this going to be? Am I just getting started? Like, this is feeling like really intense right now. Um, and I think that's probably like looking back on it, I was probably going through transition at that time. Like I didn't have a very clear marked point where it was like transition where I was like vomiting or something or like, you know, having some big thing happen. Um, yeah. So about 1130, maybe, or like 1115, my doula arrived and checked in and I asked her to get some more hot water for the tub. At that point, it was kind of like I was getting a little cold. So she did that. And then, um, I, asked her to go get me some crushed ice, which is like, just like I had this overwhelming desire for crushed ice. And, um, so yeah, she left to go get the crushed ice. And this was like, not like going downstairs to get crushed ice. Like I don't have crushed ice in my fridge or something. So she left again (laughs) and I got out of the tub to go to the bathroom and, um, And so, yeah, I had a couple like contractions, sensations on the toilet and that was like a nice change. And I felt, started feeling like a little pushy. So I was like, okay, this is a good moving in the right direction. I think I had some bloody show at that time too, but my waters were still like intact at that point. So, uh, I got back in and, um, that was maybe like 1130 or 1145. And pretty shortly after that, like I kind of started that involuntary pushing at the top of the wave. And, um, I was so excited about that. Like just the, the feeling of, you know, that I'm, yeah, just the relief that I feel that only comes with pushing. If that makes sense. It's like, it, there is a sense of relief that comes with that for me personally. So, 
I was excited about that. And I had a little mirror. So I was kind of like trying, I was trying to see like under the water, if I could see anything in like while I was pushing and it wasn't really working. So then I asked my husband to just look and he's like, yeah, I can, you know, like after I'd gone through this for maybe 15, 20 minutes, he's like, yeah, I can see there's some hair. Like, and so then I was very, very excited about that. And I remember just like looking at my husband and being like, I just want the baby to come out. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> like desperately. <laughs> like I just want the baby to come out. And he's like, yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> That's cute. So yeah, we just, um, I kept working on that. Right. I just like was in it and at it's like getting more and more nonlinear, but I remember like this overwhelming desire to sleep, like just came over me. And I was just like, that's all I could think about. Like I could not think about anything except for the fact that I just like wanted to sleep so, so desperately. And, um, that kind of continued maybe for like 10 minutes or so. And I was getting a little more breaks at that point. Um, yeah, I think I would just kind of like doze off in between, uh, in between waves. And it was really trippy because in my mind, I knew that like, that's normal. And I also was like, how am I going to keep going if I'm so tired? <laughs> um, and and when I watched the video footage, it's like, I really would just like have a sensation and be on all fours or something. And then afterwards, just like pass out almost, you know, just like eyes closed, like completely relaxed. And so that went on for a couple rounds. And then, um, yeah, and then I was super alert again. And I could really feel her head right there. And, um, it was important for me to just to have a slower emergence than I had with my son, Hmm. but I could tell that she was bigger than my son. So it was kind of just taking longer anyways, um, for her actual emergence, like the pushing phase was probably about the same as it was with my first, but her actual, like, head and body coming out was a little bit longer. He kind of just like shot out at some point, but her head kind of emerged halfway and I could kind of feel it in my hands and give a little bit of counter pressure. And then, um, the rest of her head came out and then I got a nice break. And so I kind of shifted at that point. I had been like in a deep squat and that, and then I shifted forward. So I was like, kind of on all fours at that point, but still like in the water. And I asked my husband to come in behind me because I wasn't sure like if I was going to stay in that position or not for her body to emerge. And so then with the next wave, like she, like I felt her shoulders kind of, you know, turn and come out. And I thought my husband was like pulling her out, which he would never do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he said his hands like never even touched her before mine totally. did. So he was just right there. And I remember I said, slow, slow, slow. And then her body was out. And um, I just like, 
quickly maneuvered so I could get her. So I Uh like, you know, moved her through my legs or something. I don't know exactly how I did that, but, and then I brought her up and, um, cord intact. Yeah. Cord intact. (laughs) I mean, I like, that was such a rare occurrence that happened in my son's birth. I just, even going into her birth, I was like, that's just, it's so rare. It's not going to happen again. Like of all the things that can happen, that's probably not going to happen again. But yeah, her cord was intact and um, long enough, you know, that I could bring her to my chest and everything. And so I did that. And I think I like instinctually like kissed her mouth or face. Um, and, you know, I was just like everything else kind of faded away and you're just like tunnel vision mm-hmm. to to baby, like tunnel vision to checking in on how this Mm -hmm. little person is and she seemed to be doing just fine um she kind of like gave a little cry and then sounded a little like um gurgly or had some liquid or something in her nose so I just turned her you know like held her on my arm so she was kind of like able to drain that out and that didn't that worked and made her kind of upset. She started crying. So then I was just like, all right, you're, you know, you're fine. I brought her back up to my chest. And I said, that's, I think when I finally said like, it's a girl, Hmm. which I had noticed right away, but like, I didn't announce it to my husband at that point. Hmm. And I was like patting her back and she had the thickest, um, like cheesiest, um, vernix all over her. Hmm. So I was rubbing that in and, um, yeah, it was just like, hmm. perfect. She just kind of curled up on my chest and we sat in the tub and, um, around that time, my doula returned with crushed ice that I like didn't care about anymore. <laughs> oh my God. That poor doula. She's <laughs> like, she's like, oh my God, mama, you did it. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. But it also is so perfect, right? That, you yeah. know, you just had this, you know, not in any sort of negative way, but just that you like sent the the stranger away. Yeah, yeah. You know? It was just like exactly what I wanted. Yeah. I needed to be. Like I couldn't have like planned that timing the way it went down, but it was perfect. So yeah, she was just there and... um kind of sitting off to the side and, um, you know, I don't know, some minutes went by, I don't know like exactly how long or anything, but at that point I was ready to get out of the tub. So, and I had noticed, um, I felt like my placenta was ready to come out, I guess I should say, like, I think I had some separate, like a separation bleed while I was in the tub still. Um, but yeah, I just felt like there was, it was ready to kind of complete the birthing process. So I got out of the tub and slowly made my way to the bedroom, which was like just a few steps away. And I had a big bowl and I kind of um, squatted over the bowl. And at that point I was still holding my daughter. And so then I just like followed the cord with one of my hands and could feel like that the placenta was really right there. Um, And so I squatted down and like 
gave a little traction and nothing happened. And so then I like handed her to my husband for a moment and changed positions and then did the same thing. And it just came right out into the bowl. And then, yeah, I just laid down in bed and, um, let her kind of find her way to start nursing and well let's 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 pivot to that then really quick around the nursing yeah. if, if you yeah ready. we can yeah we can talk about that so you shared you know with your previous story some some really serious breastfeeding difficulties challenges um and your you know and your enormous effort and commitment to do what you could um, with those challenges in your, in the other episode from, from first season, mm-hmm. which you guys could go listen to. So how did you navigate that, that line of wanting to rewrite this story, you know, with your daughter and not project fear and anxiety and, you know, all this stuff uh, that's would be very understandable to be concerned about, but I know, you know, because I know you that you were really doing your work to not do that and to be really open to a new story. Um, can you speak to that a little bit of kind of how you yeah. navigated yeah. that? Yeah. So, um, well, I did go on to breastfeed my son, uh, until even when I was pregnant. So until he was about 20 months old. So, and we had a really easeful, um, kind of weaning process that Mm. definitely happened because of pregnancy. I think otherwise he would have kept going, but how many months did it take to get easeful? Cause I don't remember that part. Oh, well, um, a very long time, six months maybe. And even then I breastfed him with a nipple shield the entire time. So, you know, like, was it ever completely easeful? I mean, not compared to what I'm experiencing now, but like it worked for us for a while, for a long Mm -hmm. time, right? 20 months is like a good amount of time for what we could do. It was amazing. And that's all um, I want to (laughs) do. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I mean, I had this underlying, like just this deep internal sense that like, that it would go differently. Mm. And, um, so I would try to allow myself to rest in knowing that and also know that like, I actively wanted to do things to like heal my past experience. And you know what? It was intense. Like during my pregnancy, it not so much, but during my pregnancy, what I focused on was just like, um, breast massage and like simple things just to like have a healthy relationship with my own breasts again. Hmm. And I, cause I have, so I have scar tissue from um, getting an abscess drained that I developed like very, very early on breastfeeding my son. And so I worked on that scar tissue a little bit and then including like breast massage with my partner and um, having that like be more, I guess, including breasts in more of a pleasure type of practice or pleasure sense or part of my sexual identity again. Um, And that was in and of itself, I think, very healing and like 
helpful um, as I was moving towards when I would do like the deeper work of both like learning how to breastfeed my daughter, like us learning together and also rewriting or rewiring the trauma that I experienced with my son. So once um, my daughter was, well, I actually, before my daughter was born, I decided that I would work with only one breastfeeding professional. And like, I knew exactly who it was going to be. It was this woman that um, is a, not an, a lactation consultant. So she's a breastfeeding like educator counselor, but she's also a craniosacral therapist. And that's mm. what like my biggest interest was in yeah. is because she often works with babies that um, may be diagnosed with tongue ties uh, that don't want to have revisions. And I knew n- that I didn't want to get a revision for this baby if at all possible. I mean, I wasn't ruling it out like a hundred percent, but I felt pretty strongly about not doing a revision this time. So I found someone, uh, her name's Luca Johnson and she's in Orange County and she's really fantastic. And I really just thought like, this is going to be the one person that I turned to for support. And I just kind of let her know, like she kind of knew about my past history with my son and we had a visit before I gave birth. And then I had planned on her coming about once a week after, um, after Ivani was born. And some of like I, I knew that it would be a lot of lactation support, but she's also a postpartum doula, so like she could do other mm. stuff for me too, which was nice. great. So she was just like my one. She was like my best ally during that time. And instead of I think with my son, I got a lot of input like from a lot of different professionals, and like this time I really tried to stick or I, I mean, I didn't try, like I only asked for support from other mothers who had maybe had some similar experiences or from her. Um, who And she studied a lot about like how different tension patterns can kind of sometimes create or mimic patterns that look like tongue tie, essentially. Mm-hmm. Totally. That makes sense. So yeah, that was like my main strategy and like just... I had a lot of like breastfeeding also affirmations that I was kind of doing consistently before she was born. And um, then, yeah, once she was born, like we had some trouble in the beginning. So, and of course, like the second you, you know, all that trauma (sighs) was triggered and the after in the first week of breastfeeding, because that's when I just had like a lot of nipple soreness and, I got this terrible crack that was like the bane of my no. And, um, I remember standing in the shower and just being like, I'm so broken. Like what is wrong with me? You know? And that was just kind of that whole thing coming, crashing back down on me. Mm. And even though I knew like that I would move through that, like it still felt, um, really intense. And, now I'm on the other side of all of that. And like, I can talk about it and it doesn't feel triggering or anything, but it was really intense in those first weeks when I was, um, yeah, just like getting a deeper latch with her and, um, wondering like if I'm doing the right thing, like constantly, like, well, your success is still unknown. 
yeah, it's like, is it going to work out? Am I doing the wrong thing? Should I be getting a revision? Like just all those things, kind of those stories going through my mind. And I noticed even like, as I, so, you know, I had, it passed through a big kind of trauma gate and like around day six, which was like the same day that my son got his first revision. Mm. And so, so then I found the pattern. I'm like, okay, I know that like these things are going to come up around the same time that I had the experience with my son. So then I could like track it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm five weeks. That's when I got mastitis with my son. That's when like this and this happened. So yeah, I would, I would pass through those gates and like know that I needed extra support at that time, essentially. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's just, I, I needed a lot of reassurance that things were going well. So at what point postpartum did you get where you were like, things are going well? I mean, I would have, um, I would have, you know, it's like you move in and out. Like there's that pendulation of like, things are going well. And then, you know, and then circling back to the, the doubt or the anxiety or the like hypervigilance around, is it really going well or is it, but at some point all fall apart. The pendulum stayed, right? Yeah. Yeah. So at some point I would say around, I was, so it was like constantly getting, so constantly I was spending longer time in, um, the area where things were, where I could recognize and really feel that things were going well for her and I. But until I really came all the way fully out of it without dipping back into like doubt or um, hypervigilance or something was probably about three months. I would mm, say. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a huge shift at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah, I mean, Luca was just very, very patient with me and hmm. um, willing to like keep reminding me like, this is what I'm noticing, you know, how great she's doing. Do you see that this is happening? And so that was just like what I needed. I, I think is just that like sure. skilled reflection and someone who could hold their ground with me, you know, because I was having a really intense reaction and experience and she could just keep saying like, I don't think that getting a revision is the right idea. Mm. Yes. Maybe someone else would say that she has a tongue tie, but I don't think it's going to help. And yeah. So can you contextualize a little bit more on this, this breastfeeding journey with your, with your most recent baby other than, how do I put this? Like what were the physical difficulties that yeah, like so her latch like, in, Yeah. So her latch in the very beginning was just like shallow and painful, which I could mm. pretty much get with certain technique, I could work with it. Right. Um, and once I got past that, what I became more concerned with was like, she was losing suction sometimes. Like, and I didn't know if it was because of flow or because like she was having trouble. And that was like the thing that I became like hyper aware of is like how often she was losing suction and kind of making that clicking kind of noise that, people tend to say is like a tongue tie issue. But forgive my ignorance. Why, why would that be, why would, how was that manifesting as a problem? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. Like how it, why is that a problem? 
I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I was, it's like, I you thought know too much. You know too much, right? Well, yeah, I know too much. And it's just like, I think with just like with birth, like in breastfeeding, we've, we don't know what's normal anymore. Mm. Right. And I've heard from reading stuff about tongue tie and like listening to other mothers and all this stuff that clicking is a sign of having a tongue tie and it means X, Y, Z or babies maybe not getting enough or not transferring well or whatever. Mm -hmm. So then I saw that, okay, my baby's losing suction occasionally and clicking. But that's Um, what I was wondering is, was it manifesting in low weight gain or fussiness or, you know, being unsatisfied or no, none of that was happening. Yeah. It was, yeah. You were really trying to be on the, on the offense about. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to be like, I don't want to have a problem in the future. Totally. Um, but yeah, all the other signs were like normal. That's heady. What you would, what you would expect for a breastfed infant. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, you were but, so you were so wise yeah. to go with just one person that you really had already, you know, created a relationship with. Because I mean, what a di- what a difference just right there to not be inundated and overwhelmed by all these different opinions. And I mean, obviously, you experienced yeah. it with your son, and it's so common. And just everyone has it an is. opinion. And there's so many professionals, and oof. Like, you'll yeah, and you're just so open, and right like, after birthing, it's just like everyone's opinion seems to matter, and like it's hard to find like mm. that embodied place of like, yes, this is this is the path I'm gonna take. So, that's just what I was more clear on, I think, this time is like surrendering to the process and knowing that I'm gonna get support in this way. Mm-hmm. And I'm only going to take action that I feel really aligned with. So right. the the woman that helped you helped with some positional stuff and some emotional support. I was just trying to kind of get a, like, did anything else really need to happen? Because you didn't do the tie. and Yeah. I mean, she did some body work for both of us. But mm. I, I feel like that was... Um, for me, that was definitely more just like nervous system regulation totally. and like you know, clearing out some stuff from the actual birth, like helping my body recover and, um, working through the trauma for my daughter. Like, I do think she, you know, like any baby's going to maybe have some tension patterns or holding from gestation and birthing. And so I think she just really like helped her with that. Mm. And I, with that, I did notice an improvement in her overall, um, latch. Like I had less trouble getting her to latch deeper and, um, she would lose suction less, but a lot that too also just like resolved itself with time and with my supply kind of regulating itself because she was, she was kind of in that kind of choking phase of like overwhelm, Mm -hmm. but she was also just like, she could keep with it. You know, she wouldn't give up or something. So, um, normal baby stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just stuff. I mean, you know, she spit up and, and that sort of thing too, but nothing that was like troubling to me or outside of the normal from what I understand. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, 
it's, I've just, I've learned a lot through the experience because a couple other um, mom friends that I have that gave birth also this year also one for sure has like a tongue tied at the tip, you know, like that classic um, kind of indented tip of the tongue, tongue tie. And she chose to not do a revision and like, is just like, it's just working for them. Nice. And she's like, yeah, I just like, you know, we figure it out together. And another friend of mine also was recommended to get a tongue tie and decide or tongue tie revision and decided not to. So they've kind of also been allies during this time of just um, knowing what works and how to work around challenges if there are any, and also recognizing when maybe everything is just fine the way it is. Right. And- That's what's interesting about your story is that that you know the challenges from before color, of course you know, what you look for in the next one. And then, I mean, everything you've described about your daughter sounds incredibly normal, you know, just adjustment period stuff. And so that you had the foresight to front load your care appropriately in a non-overwhelming way. And, you know, you just really were willing to work through your own shit so that it could not be a problem. Like I could totally yeah. see how, you know, the same, a woman in your same situation, I mean, it could have gone so different. You yeah. know, if you just, you know, so many women just embody this story, like I can't breastfeed or breastfeeding is so hard or my babies don't or da-da-da. You know, we hear these stories all the time um, and they don't, they, you know, they don't, they don't have the tools yet or whatever to really sit with those stories and how they're self-fulfilling. And um, yeah. it just sounds like you really approached it with a lot of curiosity and a lot of willingness to kind of tease out like what was yours and what was real and what was this and what was before and what were you moving through and letting go of and not rewriting and and that you have had a very different story with your daughter yeah because you were open to it also yeah right yeah yeah it's I mean it's been great and now it's like it's, I don't even, you know, I don't think about it really. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm breastfeeding mom and like, Hmm. it just works, you know? And I mean, I, I often always say too, is like, I think there, you know, there's like this really hyper awareness and, you know, hyper vigilance around like babies latch and like, are how are they doing? Are they doing this and that and the other thing? And it's like, I mean, babies are changing all the time. Right. And they're people, so they're not milk extraction machines. Mm-hmm. And like, I just wouldn't want to have, you know, see my daughter as like this being that always has to have the perfect latch and like always has to breastfeed in this perfect way or in this particular way. And I mean, that's just right. not. What does that even mean? Life. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, I, there's just, um, there's a lot there, I think, to explore around uh, breastfeeding and what's, you know, what's quote normal for infants. And again, going back to that, you chose not to be inundated by all these different professionals. You were able to see that Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't even think the most like conscious self-aware person with 20 people in postpartum telling them their opinions would be able to do. It's just, it's too much. It's really yeah, it's too much input. Too much, it's too, too much. much information. Yeah. Yeah. 
I felt overwhelmed with my son. I only had input from like probably three people and that was already Mm. way too much, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. It is very, a very like fulfilling and full circle experience. Mm, Totally. Yeah. I love it. I could totally see the birth in my head. <laughs> see her coming in with a bag of crushed ice. Yeah. <laughs> Cracks me up. It's so funny. That's awesome. It just sounds so perfect and how it was yeah. just so perfectly designed to play out that oh, way. Yeah. And I'm so proud of you and your commitment to nursing your daughter and doing your work. And you know, you can you can articulate it so well. I'm excited for other women to hear this and and really trust that they will relate to it greatly. Yeah, I hope so. I definitely hope so. Awesome. Anything else to add? Mm, I don't think so. Thank you. I'm so grateful just to share her story and um, make a little time capsule. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. that's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.